Together we can mobilize a global mission force to finish the task. This is your tribe. Uh, good day, everyone. Welcome to our latest program. The interview today, we are having a young man, uh, Joshua. Joshua chewed all the way from uh, Malaysia slash Philippines. Uh, and, and I'm so excited to share with you his great work. Uh, this is called Project Atlas. And just, I just want to invite you to say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. I am uh, Joshua. Um, I'm glad to be featured on this uh interview and this uh, podcast to share about my journey in mobilization as next gen to be involved with God's work globally involved in the Great Commission. Yeah, that, I, I think most of the people, mm, I, I don't think they will, they will, they will like, understand that much of like, how much you have been accomplished. But I was so amazed. So every, so every time I talk with you, there is something more and new that uh, I, I had never heard before. And that is not, a, uh, you know, the, the so-called the old ways that we, we do things in terms of mobilization. But uh, just before we get into that, it just uh, tell us a little bit about your journey. Is that all right? Sure. Yeah, so actually I, I got a challenge to pick up a missions journey, to start my missions journey. When I was young in Sunday school, I heard about the story of Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor's life really impacted me a lot to show me that I want to be involved with God's global work globally, wherever he leads me to. The story that actually really challenged me was uh, Hudson and had a counter on the river where the fisherman was drowning. And then he realized he couldn't save that fisherman. And then he said that if I have a thousand pounds, China will have it. If I have a thousand lives, China will have it. And then I go on and say, no, not China, but my savior. So you, it was that story that was told to me in Sunday school that impacted and changed my life to say that it was at a very young age, uh, four, five or six years old when I say that, yeah, I want to be a person like Hudson. So that's why today, whenever I do uh, mobilization or challenge people to do missions, I believe that no one is too young where we can plant a mission seed in them. We should start young because the Bible also says, if we mold them since they are young, when they are old, they will not depart from it. So I believe we are lacking missions element even in uh, Sunday school kids because sometimes you may think that they are not ready, but I don't think so because I got impacted since very young. And then when I went on to uh, go on to elementary school or primary school, I started to read a lot of missionary biographies like William Carey, Adoniram Judson, Gladys Edward, Jim Elliot, C.T. Studd, the list goes on. And actually it's because of the lives of those people that actually inspire me and challenge me to say, I want to live a life that is worthy of the cause of the gospel. Well, I, I, I appreciate that because also not just myself, also my wife and many others are involved with um, mission mobilization, especially for the younger ones. Uh, however, <coughs> what I realize is a lot of people uh, maybe, well, a lot of people have read the, uh, the, the uh, autobiography or uh, at least know the name of Hassan Taylor uh, and, or Jim Ellis and or, you know, all these spiritual giants and early day missionaries. But not everyone are as passionate. You know, everybody knows about Great Commission, but not everyone is missional. Yeah. Yeah. So 
so so so your story is probably different because because that that had become a, more like a calling or something that you you want to do uh, further on uh, down the road and still doing it today yeah i think it's a combination of those stories including with the current state of the world i like what william carey said in order to know god's will we need an open bible and open map Mm. And I think today, a lot of Christians have an open Bible, but we are not looking at the open map. And mm. I think open map, when William Carey said in his time, was talking about, he was one of the, among the first where he calculated how many people groups in every place do not have the gospel access or they don't know about the gospel. And I think in today's world, in today's world today, when we talk about an open map, we talk about statistics, statistics that are done by like Gordon Conwell University or Joshua Project, where they show us where is the world headed to. Mm. So I do know a lot of those is numbers, but I think it gives us a clearer picture and understanding that there is work still to be done. So combining God's word and the state of the world, it actually impacted me to show me there's work to be done. And especially I like the line of CT start where you say only one life that soon will be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. So a lot of my generation people, when you tell them the name of Hudson or even William Carey or CT start, they don't know who they are. And Barna Research, uh, recently they did a survey which showed that the younger generation do not even know the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. At least the people, the church today, churchgoers don't know the Great Commission. Well, they so from the Bible everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but I think that this generation, they don't really know it anymore because it's not something we want to uh, talk about frequently, mm. especially with this younger generation. What really captures our attention is just uh, our priorities in life. We serve God where we are and we are comfortable and mm. yeah, that's about it. I totally agree. However, the, the problem today is not about an open map. Now you have Google. You know, if you want to yeah. uh, look for stats or, or information about any parts of the world or any enriched people groups anywhere they are, mm. it's out there. Uh, but but I don't I don't think the degree of, of commitment is is as, you know, as the same as before. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just my feeling. And uh, do you see there, there's a gap um, or, or how do you see that? I think it's this. Um, yes, information is very easily accessible. But the question is, if they don't know that the information is there, they will not go and access it. And most of the people that I talk to, at least those below 30 or below 25, or even below 20, as I talk to them and ask them, have you heard about Joshua Project? They're not sure what it is. They don't know that there is a, a, such things out there. So I think it, um, it, there's many factors to it. And I think one of the factors would be they don't know that it's there. For right. example, as we talk about unreached people groups, we can only reach them if we know that they exist. And if we don't know that they are there and they exist, I don't think they would go because they don't know that there's something out there. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how, how I met um, or, or being in touch with uh, Joshua is it's interesting because I... I think we, uh, Sound of the Mobilizers, uh, we are in this group. It's actually a private group. It's called Missions Mobilization Resource, Resources Group. And uh, I often see uh, different organizations or different people posting their own stuff, you know, uh, you know from, from their own efforts. 
And I saw this name, and this name is actually on, on the Facebook. It shows the Chinese name, and his, his name is Zhao Ronglen. And we're, I was like, oh, there are like other uh, mobilizers out there like me, and, and have been put, putting a lot of effort. And then later on, I just, you know, just, just, just me, curious and everything, and, and just directly uh, get in touch with him. And I just realized in these, what he did or what he's doing now is like really significant. Just tell us a little bit more about this project called Abolis. Is that all right? Yeah, sure. So basically in the year 2016, actually before 2016, I didn't know that uh, a lot of the statistics exist. That was why actually I went to Philippines that, and do evangelism and church planting day without knowing that Philippines is actually 95% rich with only 5% unrich. Mm. So I didn't know about it before 2016. It was in 2016 as I start to get to know more about the statistics, I realized that Philippines should not be a receiving nation anymore. It should act as a sending nation because of a high amount of evangelical believers. It was then I realized that we need to have a coordinated effort and uh, intensify mobilization effort, especially with the next generation. As uh, during that year, when I dig deeper into the statistics, I realized that it's the lack of the next generation stepping mm. into their role of finding what their purpose is in global work. So mm. it was during that year, I realized that we need to have a movement to see young, the next generation, to mobilize each other, peer, I call it peer mobilization, to mobilize each other, to help each other find their role and purpose in what God wants them to do in the world today, beyond their own self. And I think uh, it's not just about a commitment. I think a lot of times today, we are talking also about priority. A lot of young people right now prioritize having a career and they are okay with just serving in the church and say, I'm serving God, that's about it. But I think we should take a step further. And I think uh, as I challenge and mobilize people under Project Ablaze, our main focus is mobilizing through media. I believe that in order for us to mobilize the next generation, we really need to use media as it's a very, very powerful tool. A yeah. lot of people have successfully used media. Mm -hmm. For example, there's a movie called The Great Hack where they talk about how social media actually influence and impact the mm -hmm. presidential election in America. Mm -hmm. So social media has uh, a lot of power to it, especially the recent uproar with Nas Daily and Philippines case. We could see that the whole uproar actually started from just one Facebook post and it impacted so many. Uh, it had such long impact until today when it started on August 5 and today is August 10. So I see that there's a need for us to use media, social media to reach the next generation because that's where they are at. Mm, um, I, actually, I don't know what you're talking about, about Nas Daily, but uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I do believe the power of, um, of social media, not just the social media, but also in, 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 in an era like this, uh, mobile devices in everybody's hand. And you can actually, you know, travel <coughs> in, the, in the jungle of East Africa and but still broadcasting live stream to the people at the other side of the world. And, and also, um, doing a lot of things it's unimaginable and you know working with people from different time zones and other things but what i'm really interested about uh, your, your ministry is how it have been uh, constructed 
you know, um, I, I believe other than you, all the other people are volunteers, maybe even including you. Um, so, and how, how does that function and how does that being even, even close to be efficient? Okay. So basically the way how we structure and function is that as we put out word, we actually share and mobilize people. We see people with a heart to do something. Mm. Young people. Uh, 17, 18, 19, all the way. Actually, on Project Ablaze, uh, I might be the oldest. So the thing here is, in what we do is that as we mobilize people, people respond and say, I want to do something. I have a heart to which I wish. And then we say, what are you good at? Let's do something together. Mm. So the idea here is not an organization where we want to recruit people to join us, but the idea of all of us are already having a heart for missions, having a heart for the Great Commission, Mm. having a heart for the unreached people groups, but we come together and say that we don't want to do it alone. We want to do it together as a group of friends. So basically, Project Ablaze is structured as a network or structured as a fellowship, very loosely structured, where we just come together. So they are not really like volunteering for each other <clears throat> or volunteering for the movement, but rather they are doing what they want to do and we are doing it together. Yeah, but, but the problem is not everybody has this, you know the skill sets you're you you required or you're you're hoping for so how, how does that work uh for example you're looking for somebody can do a videography somebody can do a web design somebody can do uh, but what if it's somebody um not as skilled or you know the talent is it's different uh how, so how, how how does that work yeah so basically what we do is that we mobilize for that specific area. So for example, let's talk about video. I have a heart to use media to mobilize the next generation. So what I've been doing for the past uh, six months or more, I've been casting the vision to show people the importance of using media for mobilization. Mm -hmm. So as we cast the vision, as we share the vision out, people get impacted and say, hey, I think that's my skill. And I have a heart for language people group and I want to use this skill. So we come together and say, let's not do it together. So basically, we look for what areas we want and we mobilize for that area. And I believe uh, in every area, there are people that have that skill and have the heart for missions. It's just that we need to cast the net wide enough. And why do we use social media for mobilization? Is because, for example, if you have a mission seminar or Zoom meeting or Zoom conference or mission conference, how many can you meet a month? 500, 1,000, 2,000? Mm. Nah. 5,000 would be very good number but it's so hard to do it through Zoom but on social media just last month we reached up to like what 50,000 people in one month so I see that on social media we can cast a very wide net out there and see who will respond to it mm -hmm. yes not everyone who responds will say that I want to do something mm -hmm. but as we cast the net wider the chances of hitting somebody with the skill and the heart is much more higher yeah, I totally agree, and that's I think that's the that's the vision I have for, uh, for global mobilization network, uh, especially uh, in such a network, uh, it's so loose, and with today's uh, pandemic, it's almost not possible to meet face to face, you know, in a very in a, in any near future, uh, but uh, how how can we reach out uh, to those who we want to be in touch with and and connect with, and it's you know. In our, our, in one way, our options are limited. 
but on the other side, on on the other side, actually, we yes. only sky is the limit for us once you're creative and, and being um being open to 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 other things. Do you agree? Yep, I do agree. And I think when as we use uh media and social media to cast that net, it's about knowing how to cast that net, knowing what to put in that net as a bait, knowing where to fish and how to fish. The fish are there. It's just the methods and techniques we need to use um, the recent events on how it impacts and influence the message that we put out. Give an example, Olympics recently happened. So when we mobilize right now, we challenge people to say, when you represent your country to go to the Olympics, is it a sacrifice? Mm -hmm. No, it's not. It's actually an honor and privilege. Mm -hmm. Then how come when we represent our king and our kingdom to go out to the nations, why do we call it a sacrifice when somebody lay down their life to become a missionary? I don't think it should be termed as sacrifice in that sense, but mm. rather an honor and a privilege to serve a king. Mm. So I think as we cast that net, we need to know how to tap onto the recent happenings, what is going on right now, jump onto it where it's still hot and use that as a means to challenge people. Yeah. That's great. Uh, one more thing. Uh, I think I can, you, you can show this uh, from your screen, right? And, and tell us a little bit uh, more about uh, some of the projects you talked about and, um, and also the social media and how, how does that uh, work together for your own good? Yeah, um, we do quite a lot of things in Project Ablaze. Currently, right now, we have what we call uh, 10 divisions. Each division do a different thing. Social media is one of it. I'm just going to put it up in the screen on the screen in a while. Mm -hmm. So this is our Facebook page. So basically this is one of the things that we do among uh, one of the divisions that we uh, deal with, social media. There's a social media team of about uh, six people right now. And all of these posts that you see is actually not made by me personally, but mm -hmm. we have a team that looks at it. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically the people on the team, the person who is heading our social media uh, division right now, she has her own personal page with actually about, I don't know, right now up to more than 20,000 followers. Wow. So even before she was part of this movement, she was already using social media to influence people. Mm. But her page is more towards uh, gospel presentation and discipleship, Christian mm. growth. Mm. But then her heart is also to be a missionary to Northern Africa. Mm. So as she knew about this um, movement, she was saying that I have the skill in social media, and I have a heart for missions and I want to use these two together. That was where she stepped in and said, I want to uh, be the, the coordinator for the social media division. So I realized that there's importance to just uh, use social media to cast a net. And some other things that we do is uh, we run, we still run events uh, once a month, but we call it a missions fellowship. We want to gather people together who have a heart to do missions, where we want to have a fellowship with each other. And... 80 to 90% of our attendees are all below the uh, 30 years old. So we are seeing a lot of young people having a heart to come together, serious enough about the Great Commission to say that, I want to learn more. I want to do something about it. Yeah, but uh, for, for now, your, your focus uh, or your target audience is still uh, in, uh, in the Philippines or they are from everywhere? Right now, I would say our target people would be the English-speaking people. And in oh, Asia, the English speakers would be Philippines, Malaysia, or Singapore. Yeah, very limited, actually. Correct. Uh, 
Yeah, but because, because if I show your page to some of uh, friends uh, here in Taiwan or, or China or Japan or Korea, I don't think they, they can be uh, that much uh, excited. Uh, so 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 they, here, there comes the, uh, the the problem, the issue of contextualization, right? Yep. Because it, even with English speaking uh, mentality, but um, it's, it's, it's still very diverse, would you say? Yes, true. So right now, since our team actually right now is 100% Filipinos, other than me, we have a team about um, over 20 people coming together to work on it right now, over mm -hmm. 10 divisions right now. So the idea is that because of a, a Filipino team, our focus is producing English mobilization content. Mm -hmm. And actually, we are part of the Alliance for the Language. We are also producing content. And since America is uh, English speaking, Northern America, there's still a chance for our content to be used over there. So right now, do we have plans and hope to expand into other languages in uh, Asia and beyond? Mm -hmm. Yes. So we are working in partnerships with some people on the ground in India, in Nepal, right now trying to expand into Indonesia, Thailand, where we want to see how can we actually not, uh, we are not trying to like produce content for them, but actually working with them to see that, uh, showing them how to make content, what strategy works on our end, we share with them and they will contextualize on their side and see whether that strategy will work in their context to mobilize and recruit the next generation to be away. Yeah. This is really exciting. Uh, I, well, from, from your perspective, okay, I, I see myself as somebody in between. I'm, I'm, I, just, I just turned 45 a week ago. So I, I cannot say I'm any younger anymore, uh, but, uh, uh, but, but still, uh, I've been portrayed and being labeled as the so-called younger leaders for the last probably 10, 20 years. Uh, but apparently, uh, you know, with, with, with so, so much of the change of modern day technology and everything, um, it's, it's kind of hard to catch up. But how, how do you see it's possible that we can actually work together, uh, the young and the olds and also the um, those people are, are technology savvy and with all the seasoned uh, mission mobilizers and missionaries and how can, how can we possibly work together? Uh, where do you see the gap is? Okay. I think we are talking about intergenerational ministry here. And I yeah. think it's a very important thing that in missions, I think we have lost a generation in the sense that our first generation of uh, leaders, they were very, very, very committed people. A lot of them actually committed into the full-time work when they were in their 20s. For yeah. a lot of generations was like that, including from way before, from like Hudson time until, I think the generation before you, most of them went into ministry in their early 20s. Mm -hmm. But right now, today, if we look at the world, early 20s, what are they doing? They're still not sure what they want to do with their life. Mm -hmm. So I do see we have lost a generation. I think the main... Uh, I would not say I know why the reason is that, but I think one of the main reasons is because of mobilization. Because mm -hmm. it wasn't passed on to the next generation the importance about why do we need to go beyond where we are. So mm -hmm. I see how can we play a role is that uh, right now, a lot of organizations, as I speak with them on a national level, international level, mobilization is something that they do uh, simultaneously with other things. For example, in a national sending office, the, the director might be the mobilizer plus looking at the finance and accounts. So yeah. plays a few different roles. We don't really have specific mobilization focus until very recently, maybe the 
past 10 years, 15 years or 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I believe that uh, mobilization is not just an event no. or a cause where we can ask people to uh, take and then, okay, you are mobilized. But no. I believe mobilization is so much more than that. It's about helping people to find their role and purpose in the Great Commission. And I believe mobilization is not just challenging the next generation to go or to pray or to give, mm-hmm. but challenging the next generation to say that you have accounting skills. What if you can use your accounting skills to help in the missions world, help an organization to do their accounts mm-hmm. without actually going or without actually uh, financing or praying for missions, but you're using your skill, what you have in your hands for global work. And if you are good in website development, why don't you use it for global work? So no. I think uh, in intergenerational thing, I believe that the generations ahead of us, like you and those before you, can actually pass on and challenge and encourage us to have, like what you mentioned earlier, commitment. To inspire us, encourage us to show that this journey is worth it. Yeah. Because this journey is not an easy journey. So we need people on the side, uh, not just on the sidelines, but people that can journey with us and say, hey, come on, let's keep going together. Yeah, so yeah. What, what, what have been the most challenging uh, obstacles for you uh, in, in the past, I don't know how many years, like six, five years uh, of your commitment with, with the project? You know? um, yeah. Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the technical issues or finance issues, but I'm talking about the... Uh, more like the attitude or or observations towards um, you know how can young people take the lead in terms of mobilization or you know this this kind of label or 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 or, or doubts. Yeah, I have been involved with mobilization since twenty sixteen, and I think one of the main challenge that I have been facing is people don't care. Like, even when you show them that uh, there's uh, a huge need out there in the world, they'll be like, how does it really impact and affect me? Yeah, and yeah, sometimes I right. believe it's not because they don't care, but I believe in maybe mobilization, there are different phases of a journey where they are at. For yeah. example, when we do evangelism, there are different phases to it. Like the place where we want to remove the rocks from the ground, loosen up the soil before we can even plant the seed mm. and then before we can nurture it. And I think that whole journey in uh, evangelism is similar to the journey in mobilization. Not everyone, when you just show them the statistics, is going to ready to be no, uh, saying no, that. No, uh, no. I want to respond to it. Yeah. Mm. So I think it's a journey where we need to journey with them to slowly open up their heart and mind and show them what is going on in the world. So yeah. sometimes um, one of the, another challenge that I realize is that a lot of times... Uh, when we are doing mobilization and talking about missions, people keep using the word, I'm not ready. I don't think I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, personally, I don't see this as something as a reason that we should use in missions of mobilization. Mm. Hassan Taylor was not ready for China. <laughs> he can never get himself ready for China in that sense until he landed on the ground and realized what it was on the other side of the world. So I think it's just about uh, being willing to obey to God wherever he leads, like Peter. How can he be ready to walk on water? No one could ever prepare themselves and be ready to walk on water. But then when Jesus mm. taught him and said, come to me, he just stepped out of the comfort zone. But but the thing is, when people hear 
talks like this, people start to really have uh, you know, re reservations for that. Why? Because yes, of course we're not ready, but, uh, but, but it's always good to be prepared. You know, the casualty of, you know, every sending, uh, mission sending agency will tell you this is like 30%, 50%. If you're not ready, maybe you will be even 90% of casualty. Uh, and, and, you know, your very first uh, re reaction to this question is like, um, you know, I've been uh, serving as a mission mobilizer since 2016. And people will be like, only 2016? I've been doing this since 1996 or something, right? And people will say, so why do you think you know better? But, but, but that, that's, a, that's a thing, you know? Uh, I don't know. That, that's how I've been experienced in the past. If you sure. ask me, the, uh, if I ask myself the same question, I've been always the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think uh, like what you mentioned about being prepared and being ready, I think being prepared does not equate to being ready. And being ready is not equal to being prepared. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like yeah. it. So uh, previously, I was also trained in disaster response. So we prepare and try to um, mitigate the risk and the impact of the disaster. Mm -hmm. We'll be prepared, but we will, be, uh, we will never be ready when the disaster strikes. We don't know how intense it will be. So we can be prepared, but I don't think we should be labeling it as, are you ready to go out as a missionary? Are you ready to be involved in missions? We should and must prepare, but I think being prepared does not equate to being ready. Be yeah. prepared, but always be open to say that, Lord, if you're calling me to step out of water, I've prepared myself to know that it's your voice. I'm prepared to know that it is you, but I'm not ready to walk on water, but I know that it's you. That's why I'm going out. That's right. Yeah. I, think, I think it's a state of mind, and that, that helps a little bit. Uh, well, but, but, but even, even Peter, uh, he had doubts, and <laughs> that's why he fell yeah. into water. This. But, but uh, how, how about this? Um, can you speak with us a little bit more about how we can move forward from here? How, how, why is it so important to, like, for example, work together? Why is it so important? Because oftentimes, you know, this is more challenging to work with other people. It's much easier and faster if, if it's your own ministry, if it's, a, if it's a group of yours. If you pay this person and to do things, you can actually challenge them and say, there's a deadline. But if, if they are volunteers and often you need to encourage them or sometimes threaten them with the, you know, with the vision, and, you know, hey, this is God's work. And how can you still be lacking of, of motivation and stuff? So, so how do you see that um, uh, to, to come, come together? Okay. Uh, let me deal first with the part where we talk about volunteers. Mm -hmm. I think it's very hard to, uh, at least in a place, how we define it is quite different in the sense that we don't really see ourselves volunteering for each other, but rather all of us have the heart again. So I think it's a constant thing about uh, keep on vision casting, sharing the vision, keeping the vision sharp and focused to pull everyone together and say that, hey, we are not uh, volunteering for something here on earth, but all of us have the same heart to see that his name be glorified in the nations. Mm -hmm. And because with that in mind, we have a skill that we want to do and we want to work together because we believe that together is stronger 
and I believe together is we can go together, uh, not just uh, further, but we can go together faster. Why I say that? Because uh, when you are, uh, we are having people coming together and work together, things get done faster. Even, um, one of the things that I believe about the Great Commission is that I believe it was given to the church in order for the church to have unity with each other. Mm. That's right. Sorry, I just, uh, I, I just kind of lost you for, yeah, for a second. I think I also lost you for uh, quite some time. Yeah. Yeah, but that's fine. Uh, well, that, 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 that's what it comes to uh, modern technology. And uh, if I want to interview with you, you know, in the past, we need to see each other face to face. And yeah. now this is already a privilege. But uh, you never know. Sometimes it's because of, uh, you know, the, the conditions, your side or my side, I don't really know. But that, yeah. that, that's the beauty of it. Uh, we, we can still work on it. Sure. Yeah. La la lastly, I, here, here's something for you. And here's a challenge. What, what do you see uh, modern day mobilizers? What are we lacking? And what, 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 what we need to... Uh, maybe learn more or, or embrace uh, as, as a mobilizer. Mm, you know, in the past, we will, we'll be saying, okay, probably you need to know more about the word of God. Well, of course, that, that cannot be go yes. wrong, right? Yep. You, need to, uh, you need to know, uh, you know, the state of the world, uh, you know, the, the status uh, of, you know, how mission have been, having uh, accomplished uh, so far and then how much mm -hmm. we need to go where is the last mile yeah but but i don't I, I think we have have done many of this uh you know because the effort of the of the heroes uh, the, the the giants before us sure but what now okay i'm going to be quite biased on this question but i'm still going to say it i think what mobilizers really need today and as we move forward is media why I say that is because look at COVID. If no matter how much you know about the word of God theology, no matter how much you know about the world, when COVID struck, when quarantine happened, if you don't have media skills, you don't know how to get the message out already. You can't get the message out. Everyone is stuck in their homes. And if you're not good with media and technology, no matter how much you know about God's word, you're just stuck inside the four walls of your place and say, you can only preach to yourself. But if you know how to set up a broadcast system, if you know how to deal with media, then the message can go up. We have come to such a time in our generation already that message can go out more strongly and powerfully if you know how to get it out. So actually in our last uh, devotion sharing in our Project Ablaze Fellowship, uh, we were doing DBS and one of the last questions is, who are you going to share this message with this week? And I actually rephrase it and say, it's not real much about who you want to share it with, but how are you going to get God's word out? I think we have come to a generation like that already. It's not so much about who, but how do you get it out? Because mm. if you get it out in a very powerful, impactive way, the reach of it is very far and wide. It will reach a lot, a lot of people, the, the who. So I think the more important question is how do we get it out? And a very important way of getting it out today right now in this generation is media. And you know what? ISIS is very good in using that. They have been using it to recruit so many people that have never seen overseas to their cause, 
to actually bomb cities to actually become suicide bombers. And how do they do it? Not one-on-one -on -one in person and meeting them face-to-face, -face, you know, all through media, all through social media, influencing them. And you know what? They have been using it before COVID. ISIS have been using it for a long time, even before COVID struck. And right now, the church is trying to catch up in terms of media and social media. I think we have a long way to go. Yes, a lot of us have already put our message out there on social media. And I believe that there's still a very long way to go as we try to uh, improve our quality, improve how we do things so that the message can go out with stronger impact, with a wider reach, to challenge the next generation, to help them realize that there is a God that is worth all of this glory. And we need to carry that glory to the ends of the earth. Brothers and sisters, this is Joshua Chu from uh, uh, Project Abolis. And thank you very much for joining us today. I think I, I think not just me and anyone I, uh, you know, listening to us, I think we, we all learn a lot from you. But I'm, very, uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful and because, because I, I get to know somebody like you and I can be hopeful for, for the future. Um, but uh, um, we also know there there are great challenges uh, and 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 a lot of um, uh, difficult times even ahead of us. And now now you know this 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 is this is already bad. But I I think there will be more <laughs> problems yes. in in the future and and challenges. And then and and but but I, I we do have something to be hopeful for. And I'm a mistake and especially. We need to pray for one another, especially cross generations and cross continents and cross uh, different uh, different efforts. And we, we need to really have a sense of uh, working together and, mm -hmm. and, and together, you say together stronger. And I'm also surprised to hear together can be faster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you uh, for your time. Um, we'll catch up very soon. Let's uh, just, uh, wrap it up now and just say goodbye to all the others thank you very much all right thank you